Dr. Baliga here. This podcast is on therapy of transthyretin cardiomyopathy. It's of an outstanding chapter on cardiac amyloid disease, authored by Dr. Taimur Sher, MD, and Dr. Moira A. Gertz, MD, both faculty hematologists at Mayo Clinic. And Dr. Gertz was Emeritus Chair of Internal Medicine at Mayo Clinic, Rochester. The other source of this podcast is an editorial comment by Dr. Gertz in the Journal of American College of Cardiology, Volume 74, 2019. As discussed in an earlier podcast, transthyretin TTR is the protein responsible for the transportation of thyroxine and retinol binding protein in the circulation. It is a 55 kilodalton protein encoded on chromosome 18. It is synthesized in the liver, retinal epithelium, and choroid plexus. It circulates in a soluble tetrameric form with thyroxine transported in a central pocket. Point mutations in the TTR protein or age-related factors can result in instability of the tetrameric TTR protein. When this occurs, the protein dissociates into monomers. These monomers are unstable and misfold from a native alpha helical state into a beta pleated sheet configuration forming amyloid fibrils. These fibrils can deposit in any organ, particularly in nerves and the heart, leading to amyloidosis, which is referred to as ATTR, and can either be mutant TTR or wild-type TTR. When ATTR amyloidosis occurs as a result of a mutation, the clinical manifestations are mutation dependent. More than 120 mutations have been reported. The disease is inherited as an autosomal dominant with no gender predilection, but clinically evident disease is present in men two-thirds of the time. The two most common TTR mutations in the, the United States are T60A and V122I. The latter mutation is found in 3-4% of African Americans and is likely the most common cause of mutant cardiac amyloidosis in the US. Worldwide, V30M, a mutation that clusters in Sweden, Portugal, Brazil and Japan is the most common. Estimates suggest that nearly 100,000 patients have this disorder. ATTR amyloidosis can also be seen in the heart in the absence of a mutation this disorder, formerly referred to as senile cardiac amyloidosis or senile systemic amyloidosis, is likely underdiagnosed. It can be seen in the myocardium in 25% of autopsies in patients who are older than 85 years. Patients hospitalized with heart failure with preserved ejection fraction or older than 60 years, whose echocardiograms show a septal thickness greater than 12 millimeters, had a prevalence of wild type TTR of 13%. At trans aortic valve displacement, 16% of patients were found to have ATTR cardiomyopathy. It is now routine for all patients at the Mayo Clinic who are undergoing this procedure to have a pre-operative pyrophosphate scan in an attempt to recognize this disorder. A total of 90% of Wild-type TTR patients are men. 
median age at diagnosis is 75 years. The echocardiographic features of TTR cardiomyopathy can often be misdiagnosed as non-obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or hypertensive heart disease. Clinical clues include the presence of bilateral carpal tunnel syndrome, which often precedes the diagnosis of cardiac amyloidosis by 5 to 10 years. Biceps tendon rupture as well as pseudoclaudication due to lumbar spinal stenosis, a consequence of periarticular deposition of TTR amyloid. The clinical diagnosis in a patient with HFPF is suggested echocardiographically with thickening of the walls, small ventricular volume with restrictive physiology. Cardiac magnetic resonance will show late gadolinium enhancement which is appears to be specific for amyloid. Heart failure due to wild type TTR amyloidosis is serious with the median overall survival of 3.6 years. A staging system exists with NT-Pro BNP and serum troponin levels to predict outcome. One point is assigned to an NT-Pro BNP of greater than 3000 picograms per ml and one point is assigned for a troponin T level of greater than 0.05 nanograms per ml. The four-year overall survival of patients with 0, 1 and 2 points is 57%, 42% and 18% respectively. Historically, the diagnosis of ATTR amyloidosis required tissue biopsy with Congo red staining. However, a recent consensus panel established an algorithm to diagnose TTR cardiomyopathy without histological confirmation. When an echocardiogram strongly suggests amyloid infiltrative cardiomyopathy and if the patient shows no evidence of plasma cell dyscrasia, that might suggest AL amyloidosis. 20 to 25% of ATTR patients have a coexistent monoclonal gammopathy. Imaging with a technetium pyrophosphate scan or technetium diphosphono propanodicarboxylic acid scan can confirm the diagnosis. All patients with a positive scan require genetic testing to distinguish mutant TTR amyloid cardiomyopathy from wild type TTR. In the past, enthusiasm for confirming the diagnosis of TTR amyloid cardiomyopathy was low due to absence of therapy. However, in the past year, three new treatments have been approved for treatment of TTR cardiomyopathy by the US FDA. In the past, liver transplantation used only for mutant TTR was the only available therapy for these patients. The rationale for liver transplantation was to replace the production of a mutant TTR using a normal liver which would only produce normal TTR. This technique is limited because of the organ shortage and the fact that patients may develop progressive amyloidosis despite liver transplantation. It appears that once anidus of mutant TTR forms, TTR from the transplanted liver can co-deposit which results in progressive disease despite placement of a completely new liver. In the past year, two new agents, patisiran and 
Tessin were approved for treatment of mutant TTR amyloid neuropathy. However, greater than 60% of these patients have coexisting cardiomyopathy. These agents act by silencing the production of mutant TTR RNA using either antisense mRNA technology or small interfering RNAs that block the production of TTR protein. Serum TTR reductions anywhere from 70% to 80% are seen and the reduction in available precursor protein slows or reverses the clinical amyloid syndrome. Both drugs meet the therapeutic endpoints compared with placebo in terms of the neurological impairment score and quality of life and are now approved for use. In 1999, the non-steroidal agent Diflunizal was found to stabilize TTR tetramer, preventing it from breaking into monomers that lead to amyloid formation. In a subsequent placebo-controlled double-blind study, Diflunizal was demonstrated to improve outcomes in mutant TTR neuropathy. The use of this agent is off-label in the US and is not available globally. In May 2019, Tefamidis, an oral stabilizing agent, was approved by the US FDA based on a placebo-controlled trial that demonstrated a reduction in a composite endpoint of death and hospitalization for heart failure with virtually no toxicity at two dose levels. The benefits of Tefamidis was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine in September 2018 in the ATTR-ACT trial, that is ATT-RACT trial, which was the phase 3 transthyretin amyloidosis cardiomyopathy clinical trial, in which tafamidis was compared with placebo in the treatment of patients with transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy. Tafamidis, an orally administered small molecule, binds to transthyretin and stabilizes its native structure thereby preventing its dissociation into monomers, the rate-limiting step of transthyretin amyloid formation. Although a previous trial of tafamidis did not show a significant slowing of progression of Val-30-methionin-ATTR mutant-related early neuropathy, tafamidis has been used in parts of Europe, Latin America and Asia for the treatment of stage 1 ATTR mutant related neuropathy. Attract enrolled patients with ATTR mutant and ATTR wild type who had predominantly cardiac manifestations. As compared with placebo, tafamidis reduced the incidence of all cause mortality and cardiovascular related hospitalizations when analyzed in combinatorian hierarchical fashion. The p value was less than 0.001 for primary endpoint. Secondary endpoints included separate analysis of each component of the primary endpoint. All-cause mortality was lower, 29.5% versus 42.9%, and cardiovascular-related hospitalizations were less frequent, 0.48 per year versus 0.70 per year in participants who received tafamidis than those who received placebo. Tafamidis also attenuated the decline in functional capacity and in quality of life. In exploratory analysis, there was a modest decline in levels of natriuretic peptides 
which was which is a marker of heart failure severity and in echocardiographic measures of cardiac function but not in cardiac structure. Given the dearth of acceptable treatments for this disorder, these robust efficacy results combined with the benign safety profile suggests that tefamidibus should be utilized in the treatment of TTR amyloid cardiomyopathy. The results of the ATTR-ACT trial raise questions about the mechanism of action of tefamidis, the time course of benefit and the timing of treatment in the course of patient's disease. Reductions in cardiovascular related hospitalizations were seen only after 9 months and all-cause mortality after 18 months, which may reflect the time necessary to influence the underlying pathology. Moreover, a subgroup analysis showing a greater benefit in patients with less severe heart failure suggests that therapy might be best initiated at an early stage of disease when the underlying pathology may be more easily reversed as compared to late stages. It's possible that by slowing or halting amyloid deposition, tefamidis may allow the activation of local recovery processes that progressively result in remodeling of the amyloid deposits a reduction in the strain on cardiac walls and ultimately in a clinical benefit. Once amyloid has caused irreversible organ damage, disease-modifying therapies may be less likely to be effective. According to an editorial in the New England Journal of Medicine, authored by Dr. Christina Quarta, MD, and Dr. Scott D. Solomon, MD, on, on this trial, They opine that the design of a track trial reflects the challenges of all clinical trials of rare diseases. The Finkelstein-Schoenfeld approach used to analyze the results for primary endpoint makes head-to-head comparisons between pairs of patients to determine a winner on the basis of pre-specified criteria that incorporate both fatal and recurrent non-fatal events. But the approach prioritizes fatal outcomes allowing for potentially increased power and for later events to remain informative. In a tract, the benefit observed for multiple cardiovascular hospitalizations was far more impressive than that observed for first hospitalization, especially since a substantial number occurred within the first nine months, probably a shorter period of time than that required for this therapy to modify the underlying disease. This benefit may have been overlooked in a trial that used a more traditional time-to-first-event approach. These editorialists also said that alternative therapies are currently under study to treat neuropathy and cardiomyopathy caused by transthyretin amyloidosis. The small interfering RNA therapeutic patisiran and antisense oligonucleotide inotersin, which interfere with TTR production, reduce the progression of neuropathy among patients with stage 1 ATTR mutant-related disease. They opine that further study is needed to determine whether there are important therapeutic differences between transthyretin stabilization and transthyretin knockdown. Differences in the outcome observed among the few trials reported thus far may reflect differences in patient populations, study design, length of follow-up, 
or outcomes rather than therapeutic differences. Finally, the editorials opine that the results of the attract offer hope to patients with this devastating disease and they suggested new waves forward in testing therapies for rare diseases is the key. In conclusion, TTR cardiomyopathy is likely underdiagnosed, requires a high index of suspicion by the cardiologist and is now eminently treatable. Endomyocardial biopsy is not required to establish the diagnosis.